the sermon from St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church, Hancock, Minnesota, for May 16, 2010, celebrating the ascension of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as well as recognizing the 2010 high school graduates from our congregation. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God, through which the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus, our ascended Lord and Savior today, is the Gospel for the Ascension of our Lord, Luke 24, verses 44 through 53. Jesus said to them, These are my words, which I spoke to you while I was still with you that all the things that are written in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He said to them, So it is written that the Christ suffers and rises from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending you what my Father promised. Stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. He led them out to Bethany. Raising his hands, he blessed them. And it happened that while he was blessing them, he parted from them and was taken up into heaven. When they had worshipped him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were always in the temple, praising and blessing God. This is the word of our Lord. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior, and especially you, our high school graduates for 2010. Where are you headed? No doubt, especially as your senior year comes to an end, you get that question a lot. Where are you headed? Out into the workforce, off to tech school, off to college? Are you going to be staying at home or striking out on your own? Where are you headed? And maybe you've given that question a lot of thought. Maybe you have it planned out for the next months or even years. Or or maybe everything is still up in the air. And you don't know what you're going to do after next Friday. And I'm going to get on that bandwagon here today as well and ask you, where are you headed? But I'm not asking about this summer or next fall. I'm not asking about a career or a life plan. But where are you ultimately headed? For you see, there are only two final destinations. Heaven or hell. And the rest of you have already realized that this isn't a question just for high school seniors. It's a question for all of us to think about and ponder. Where am I headed? Now as we think about Jesus' ascension and we picture that there, his disciples are gathered there watching in heaven, They're the the people that he had chosen to follow him. But not all 
the twelve are there, are they? Even though he had chosen twelve to be his close companions, and for three years they had been there as his students, his protégés, not all twelve were headed for heaven, were they? Not all twelve were watching Jesus as he ascended. For you see, Judas Iscariot, the betrayer, had thought his sin so bad that he had given up on God's forgiveness. So although he knew Jesus well, instead of turning to Jesus for forgiveness, he despaired of life, and all his tears and remorse couldn't save him. Although he knew Jesus well, he did not trust Jesus as his dear Savior from sin and death, and so he went out and hanged himself. And so instead of heading to heaven, he fell into the depths of hell. And, And what a warning for each and every one of us here. For we also know Jesus well. But just because we know about Jesus doesn't mean we're automatically headed for heaven. For you see, faith in Jesus, faith that trusts in Jesus as our Savior from sin and death is more than just knowledge. But, but don't get the idea that you know, Judas was that, just that much worse than the rest of the disciples. No. No, all the disciples, all twelve were sinners. Sinners like you and me. Just think about Peter denying Jesus three times. Thomas, at first, refusing to believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. All of them had fled that night in darkness Gethsemane. All of them hid behind locked doors. They were all slow to understand the scriptures. But they trusted Jesus. They turned to him for forgiveness. They looked to him as their life and salvation. Just as Thomas confessed, my Lord and my God, when he saw the risen Jesus, so also. That is what each one of the disciples believed in their hearts. Where did this faith come from? What kept this faith going in them? Well, listen again to what Jesus says in the text here. The text tells us, Jesus said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. Where did their faith come from? What kept it going? The words of Jesus recorded in the scriptures. For when Jesus talks about the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms, that's the threefold division of the Old Testament, where Jesus had spoken through the prophets years before his birth in Bethlehem. Spoken through the prophets, yes, those prophets whose names we often stumble over and have a hard time remembering or spelling, those were the prophets that God used to point his disciples and you and me to Jesus. And that's still the way it works today, isn't it? The answer hasn't changed. Where does our faith come from? What keeps your faith going? It's the words of Jesus recorded in the Scriptures, in the Bible. Both the Old and the New Testament, for we have it even better than the disciples did. 
We not only have Moses and the prophets, the Old Testament, we also have Jesus and the apostles, the New Testament. Through these words, Jesus opens our understanding, opens our minds. For you see, by our own thinking and choosing, we would never trust Jesus as our only Savior from sin and death, even if we had the whole Bible, Old and New Testament, memorized word for word. For you see, the mere knowledge about Jesus isn't what saves us, but it is faith that trusts that what the Bible says is the truth and that this truth is for you and me, that it is the difference between life and death, between heaven and hell. For through these words, Jesus opens our minds. For this word is the sword of the Spirit. Through the word, the Holy Spirit cuts through the darkness of our doubt and unbelief to enlighten to enlighten you and me with the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Faith comes from hearing the message, the word of Christ. And what is that message? What is that good news that so changes us so that instead of heading toward hell, we are headed toward heaven? Well, Jesus summarizes it here when he says, This is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. That's the message that enlightens our hearts. That's the message that Jesus uses to open our minds. That's what the revealed word of God proclaims to you and me. Otherwise, we would still be wandering in unbelief. But it is through this word that the Holy Spirit turns knowledge into faith. Faith that looks to Jesus and hears that message of our crucified and risen Savior. But, but our old inborn nature says, well, I already know all that. I learned about that from little on up. And you see, that's why we need Jesus to open our minds and enlighten our hearts. Otherwise, we would just sort of put all this knowledge on a shelf and think we're, we're safe because it's stored away in our memory banks. But no. No, faith. Faith hears these words. And the Spirit works through them. Only the Holy Spirit can lay bare our hearts to see what Jesus' suffering is really all about. Yes, you've seen that suffering of Jesus pictured, the the crown of thorns on his head, the the agony of the cross, his God-forsaken cry coming from those parched lips. From little on up, you were taught to say that Jesus died for you. But only the Holy Spirit can lay bare our hearts to see the true cause of that suffering on the cross. Only the Holy Spirit can work that repentance that sees the true horror and terror of my sin. Just look at the cross and its 
suffering, its cursedness, to see just how serious each and every one of your sins is. You did that to Jesus. Ah, I also and my sin wrought your deep affliction. This indeed the cause has been of your crucifixion. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. That's the prophet Isaiah as he speaks about the coming Christ. Only the Holy Spirit can work through those words so that that knowledge in our heads becomes faith that trusts in Jesus. Faith that confesses Jesus died for me in my place so that he was pierced for my transgressions and so I have peace. Peace with God. For you see, faith looks and sees that the crucified Christ has risen just as the scriptures foretold. The Christ will rise from the dead on the third day. He lives. Why? Because God forgives us. Just as Jesus became our sin as he suffered and died on the cross, so in his resurrection we become his righteousness. Easter is God's verdict that declares guilty sinners are forgiven for Jesus' sake. I count you right in my sight because I freely credited you with the right record that belongs to Jesus Christ. And with this verdict ringing in our ears, our faith confesses, yes, Jesus is my Savior. He died for me. My sins are forgiven because He has risen from the dead. And this good news, dear friend, this good news is for, for you and for me. For you see, this is the repentance and forgiveness of sins that will be proclaimed to all nations in Jesus' name. As the reading today reminds us, yes, this good news is for you. Where are you headed? Jesus has certainly opened heaven. By his death and resurrection and his ascension, he has opened heaven. And he has planted faith in your heart at your baptism. And through his word, he keeps that faith growing. But that faith, that faith is not like a diploma that you simply hang on the wall or or store away to show your kids that you really did graduate from high school years ago. No, no, faith. That kind of faith is no faith at all. Such a so-called faith is, is headed for hell. Rather, this faith that clings to Jesus as our crucified and risen Savior, this faith that takes in the proclamation of repentance and the forgiveness of sins, Luther, Martin Luther, describes this faith in the preface to, the Rome, to Romans. He describes it with this, these words. Faith is a living 
busy, active, powerful thing that we have in this faith. And we see that living, busy, active, powerful faith in the disciples, don't we? Jesus tells them, you are witnesses of these things. And especially after Pentecost, ten days later, we see how their faith boldly proclaims the good news that Jesus is the Savior, the only Savior from sin. Despite the persecution and imprisonment and troubles that awaited them, they proclaimed that good news. They testified through their deeds of kindness and words of love. They pointed people to Jesus. But their faith didn't just sit around idle doing nothing until that day of Pentecost. Notice how busy their faith was otherwise as well. We are told after they saw Jesus ascend, then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. Yes, this living, busy, active, powerful faith not only talks about Jesus but also praises him, worships him, rejoices in him. That's the faith that is headed for heaven. That's the faith the Holy Spirit works in you and me through this word of God. For Jesus has ascended in glory to prepare a place for us there. Through faith in Jesus, you are headed to where he has gone. Through faith in Jesus, you are headed heavenward. For Jesus leads us there. That's why he came to this earth and suffered and died to bring you the riches of heaven. That's why he rose from the dead and ascended in glory so that nothing can separate you from him, not even death. Jesus leads us heavenward. So follow him. Follow him in faith. Don't forfeit what Jesus has prepared for you. Don't forfeit it by thinking that you'll get busy with Jesus later on. That's a path that leads to hell. Don't forfeit it by wandering away from Jesus instead of following him. That's another path that leads to hell. Follow Jesus in faith. That faith that is fed by God's word. For as you take in again and again that good news that Jesus has died for your sins and risen from the dead for your forgiveness, as you hear that proclamation of repentance and the forgiveness of sins, the Holy Spirit keeps your faith, powers your faith, so that it is a living, busy, active, powerful thing. So that it shines out as a witness testifying about the good news of Jesus Christ by our acts of kindness and our words of love that shines out as a witness for Jesus as like the disciples we too rejoice in Him, praise Him, and worship Him. Follow Jesus in faith. For as we stand there with the disciples and see our Savior ascend in glory, then no matter where... Life may take you next week, next month, next year, wherever down the road. You have your Savior in heaven ruling over all things for you. As your ascended Lord, He has the whole world in His hands to take care of you so that we can serve Him without fear even in a hostile world. So boldly, 
rejoice in your Savior. Boldly place Him first. Boldly worship Him. Boldly follow Him. For He has ascended to heaven and prepares a place for you. He rules over all for you so that we too can pray, Jesus, lead us on. Jesus, lead us on to where our rest is won. For although the way be cheerless, we will follow calm and fearless. Guide us by your hand to our fatherland. That's where you are headed with Jesus. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you.